For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Durst Show. Uh, since the resignation of President McGill at the University of Pennsylvania after her disastrous testimony, I've gotten call after call after call. Is the president of Harvard next, uh, Claudine Gay? And um, as you know, I um, never make predictions based on my own preferences. So I'll give you my preferences and I'll give you my predictions, which go in opposite directions. I think President Claudine uh, Gay should be um, made to resign, should be allowed to resign. And if she won't do it, should be fired. That's my wish. That's my hope. That's the right thing. Uh, do I think it will happen? No, I don't think it will happen. I think that um, uh, groups of Harvard professors have uh, gotten together. Uh, there are about 700 of them who have called for her to uh, be kept on. Some have praised her. Uh, and um, almost nobody has uh, taken on the arguments against her staying. Um, uh, one of the alum, Bill Ackerman, wrote, I don't know, 15 pages of long letters um, criticizing her actions. And none of these 700 professors who are pandering to her because they think she'll stay um, respond to any of these arguments. You'd think in an academy, you wouldn't just vote. You wouldn't just sign a letter saying, I hereby sign a letter saying, I think she should stay. You should give reasons. Um, you should give reasons either way. And so I'm going to give a lot of reasons on this show why she should not remain president of Harvard. My biggest authority and my my source is uh, an academic um, named, uh, oh, Claudine Gay. Yeah. Let me tell you a story and tell you why Claudine Gay, uh, by her own standards, uh, should be uh, resigning. Before she became president, she was dean of the faculty, a big admirer of the DEI. I usually say DEA because I confuse it with sometimes the Drug Enforcement Administration, DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Bureaucracy. She pushed that very hard. She was the dean of the faculty. And as such, she had a case that came before. It involved a professor named Ron Sullivan, a brilliant professor, great lawyer, uh, who was the first, interestingly enough, black dean, along with his wife, uh, of a house at Harvard. Harvard has the house system. Uh, when you're a sophomore, junior, senior, you're in a house. And he was the dean. They used to call it the master, but, you know, master, you can't use the word master anymore. It's suggestive of slavery. So he is now, he was then the co-dean of, of, of Winthrop House. And he made the terrible mistake of taking the Sixth Amendment uh, to the Constitution seriously. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, perhaps the most unpopular defendant in, in recent history after Jeffrey Epstein. I have a way of ending up defending the most unpopular defendants. In any event, Weinstein was pretty unpopular, and, and uh, Ron uh, uh, Sullivan decided to help represent him, and he lasted about one month. That's all. Just gave consultation. 
services for a month. As a result of that, a group of students who were lying through their teeth um, complained and cried to the dean, we're scared, we're frightened, we're afraid, we're in fear. We can't be in the same place as a lawyer who defends a rapist. The same lawyer <laughs> had defended the um, end uh, of the Boston, of the New England Patriots uh, who uh, was charged with a double murder. They didn't have any fear. They weren't scared because their lawyer was defending a double murderer. But uh, when it came to defending somebody who was accused of sexual assault, no, no, that scares us, that frightens us. And we don't think he should be the dean any, any longer. And the case came before Dean Gay. And she agreed with the students. And she basically said, look, there are two reasons um, that I am have problems with, with Sullivan. Uh, she said, first of all, he didn't explain satisfactorily, satisfactorily why he was defending this man, as if a lawyer has to explain why he follows the Sixth Amendment. And of course, she hasn't explained satisfactorily why she thinks accusing, uh, calling for the genocide of Jews is a matter of context. She hasn't explained it. But the most important thing is she set a new standard. She said, a dean has a different role than a professor. A dean has to play a pastoral role, like, like a minister or a reverend, a pastoral role. And in that role, he has to make sure that his students feel safe, feel safe. By that standard, she has to play, she's the president. If a dean has to play a pastoral role, surely a president has to make the campus feel safe to all students. Well, we know for a fact that many Jewish students legitimately feel unsafe on the Harvard campus. Uh, a Jewish student was harassed and assaulted. The FBI is looking into it. Uh, nothing from Harvard particularly about it. But when you compare the fear that Jewish students now feel when people are chanting, gas the Jews, genocide to the Jews from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, free of what? Free of Jews. Clean, clean, make it clean, get rid of the dirty Jews. When you compare the fear, the legitimate fear that Jewish students have with the totally phony fear that these students at Winthrop House mendaciously claimed they feared. They didn't fear at all. They couldn't pass a lie detector test. They couldn't pass two minutes of cross-examination from me. They didn't fear anything. They just didn't like the fact that their dean was representing somebody they didn't like. Uh, today, it's somebody accused of rape. Tomorrow, it could be somebody accused of uh, another crime. Imagine how they would feel if John Adams was the uh, master in those days or the dean of Winthrop College, and he was defending the people accused of the most massacre, they would have been crying to the president immediately. People forget that Harvard is older than the United States. Uh, Harvard was established in, I don't remember, 16. I spoke at its 30th, 300th anniversary. Um, um, so uh, probably 18, six, uh, uh, 16 1667, probably something like that. In any event, uh, Harvard's a very, very old place. And um, um, uh, but but you know, you're not going to be frightened if if the dean of your house 
in his spare time and his part-time and deans are allowed to do part-time legal work is representing a man charged with rape. Even if the person is completely guilty, he was presumed innocent at the time. There hadn't been a, a conviction, but the Dean said, no, 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 we're not going to follow the sixth amendment. We're not going to follow the constitution. We're going to use our own rules and our own rules. If the students feel unsafe, he has to be fired. Well, the students feel unsafe, President Gay, and they feel unsafe because of you. They feel unsafe because of the way you testified in front of Congress. They feel unsafe because you have been championing the DEI bureaucracy, which discriminates against Jews. Jews are explicitly excluded from the inclusion, the I part of it, and they're explicitly excluded from the D part of it, diversity doesn't mean no matter how diverse you are, you can be a, a Sephardic Jew, a very dark skinned a Sephardic Jew. No, no, that's not diversity. That's not the kind of people we want. We, we want certain kind of people of color, not other kind of people of color. Um, and, and we want certain religious and ethnic groups, but not other kinds. That's the kind of diversity. We certainly don't want diversity of opinion. 97% of the Harvard faculty identifies liberal 3%. Uh, identifies conservative. We certainly don't want diversity of opinion in an academic institution. We want diversity of skin color. We don't want equality. No, we want equity, which is the opposite of equality. And we want inclusion that excludes Jews and Asians. So she was a champion of that. And when you divide students along these lines, when you have special programs, black studies programs, you know my view, even if you were to have a black studies program, I would forbid any black person from majoring in it, any Jewish person from majoring in Jewish studies, any gay person from majoring in gay studies. You don't come to school to join a cheerleading squad. I would abolish all those departments. You don't come to school, to uh, college, uh, to to become cheerleaders. You become, you come to college and university to question your most uh, devout beliefs, and that doesn't happen. In these, in these departments. But when you combine three things, DEI, specialized ethnic studies departments, and the call that many universities support now for uh, boycotting only one country, Israel, the BDS movement, the end result is inevitably going to be anti-Semitism. And the president of the university ought to know that. And she is responsible for it. The buck stops there in Massachusetts Hall, where her office is, just like the buck stopped with President Lawrence Summers when he made a controversial statement about women in mathematics, a statement which my wife, who's a neuropsychologist, um, PhD, thinks is probably right, but it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. It was idea. It was an idea well within the protection of academic freedom. He gets fired. And students who yell, you know, death to the Jews, that's not within academic uh, prerogative. And they don't get fired. They don't get dismissed. I had a student a few years ago, not at Harvard, a different school, who was admitted to one of the great law schools in the country. And um, he said something that was deemed to be inappropriate about transgender people. And they withdrew his admission. We've had instance after instance where admissions have been withdrawn because of People's exercise of free speech. 
But nobody cared about free speech, least of all Dean and then President Gay. She discovered free speech the day people start calling for the genocide of Jews. Then there's free speech. There wouldn't be free speech if people, God forbid, made comparable threats against blacks or gays or transgender people or Muslims. No, no, no. But I call them October 7th First Amendment people. These are people who never believed in free speech. It's always free speech for me, but not for the National Lawyers Guild. They don't believe in free speech. They stop speakers from speaking. They shut them down as they did at Stanford and other universities. But suddenly they discovered free speech when it comes to Jew hating. That's a certain kind of free speech that is despicable. And what I want to hear from these 700 Harvard professors is a defense, not just a vote. They're academics. Tell us why it's good for Harvard for her to be kept on. She claims, oh, don't listen to rich alumni or politicians. Who do you think supports Harvard? I would say 90% of its budget is either the government or the uh, donors. Um, then a bunch of it probably comes from Qatar and, and other foreign countries. Tuition pays only a small percentage of faculty salaries and and, and pays for the DEI bureaucracy, which probably costs millions of dollars every year, hiring all these woke, progressive, radical leftists. Um, fortunately, they don't have tenure uh, if they're part of the DEI bureaucracy. But the people who are professors in the specialized ethnic departments or gender departments, they do have tenure. So it would be much harder to end those programs, which I think should be done in the name of good education. These are the problems we're facing. And firing President Gay, uh, which won't happen, I don't believe, because she or people on her behalf have been organizing a campaign, 700 faculty members. I challenge any of them to debate me. I think one of them may be debating me tonight on the on the Cuomo show. Um, and um, we'll see if, if, if that happens. But I'd like to have more debates, more discussions. Let them invite me to campus and and debate it in front of uh, President Gay. Uh, let's hear her point of view on these issues as well. But we don't have debates on campus anymore. What we have is votes. And, um, you know, they're going to get 700 people. It'll probably be 800 or 900 people, many of whom will sign because they know that President Gay will remain president and they don't want to be in her bad graces. Of course, she makes lots of decisions involving people's futures. She approves um, uh, university professorships. She um, has the final word on lots and lots of other uh, issues. And so if you're a professor at Harvard, you don't want to alienate. You don't want to alienate her if she's going to remain on. If it looked like she would be fired, I suspect fewer professors would have signed. They don't like to be on the wrong side of things. So I do think that the fact that at least 700 have signed is a good sign for her. It probably means she'll be able to be um, remain president for for uh, her usual term, which is 10 years. I don't think she'll serve a second term. And I don't think her first term will be successful because uh, this the shadow of how badly she performed in front of Congress will hang over her. And remember, her job is to represent Harvard. And everybody has to acknowledge that she did a miserable job all three of the presidents did a miserable job. 
I don't think the lawyers who advised them did a particularly good job. They were all represented by the same law firm, uh, Wilmer Hale. I know the firm very well. I know a lot of the people in it, some terrific lawyers in it, but they didn't understand the role of these congressional hearings. Uh, they didn't sense the room at all. And, and, and they got their clients tied up in legalisms. Context, context, context. Yeah, context matters if you're debating the First Amendment, if you're debating freedom of speech. But context would never, ever be used if somebody called for the uh, raping of women, which is, of course, what the people who support Hamas have called for, or the, the burning of babies of a different race. You don't have context over issues like that. And you don't have context. What you say is unequivocally that under Harvard's code of conduct, which, by the way, is not governed by the First Amendment. I tried to get it governed by the First Amendment in years and years. I probably argued more First Amendment free speech cases in Harvard administrative boards than anybody. I started back in the Vietnam War period. I could never get Harvard uh, or Stanford or any of the schools to accept the First Amendment as an absolute rule. Or if Harvard had accepted the University of Chicago rule, which says that the university itself does not comment on political matters, no matter what. But as President Lawrence Summers correctly said, Harvard forfeited that claim because it was so strident uh, following the uh, murder of George Floyd following the Supreme Court's decision in Roe versus Wade and other controversial decisions. Harvard has been at the core of politics, right in the middle of politics. That was one of Bill Ackerman's biggest uh, complaints. Even, even uh, CNN, Fareed Zakaria, who's not usually can be counted on to critique anything liberal, even he said that universities should get back to the job of teaching, not being deeply involved in, in politics. But, you know, if you have 97% of the faculty who represent one point of view, happens to be my point of view, but it doesn't make it any better. Um, by Harvard standard, I'm probably conservative. Uh, by the rest of the world standard, I'm a flaming liberal, um, believer in free speech. But um, at Harvard, many of the faculty believe in free speech for me, but not for the I know. I've been, been, been arguing with them for 60 years uh, about it. And it's my 60 years of experience at Harvard, which is what led me to volunteer to be a whistleblower and to be a witness uh, in front of the Department of Education against Harvard, against my own employer. I'm not paid by them anymore, so I don't have a conflict of interest. I'm still Professor Emeritus, but... Uh, my hope is that um, uh, Claudine Gay will become president emeritus uh, of Harvard. It's a great position. It's a lot of fun. You have the title and you're emeritus. You don't have to do any work. You also don't get any pay. But um, uh, that's the role she should play. She should not be the president of Harvard. She's the wrong person at the wrong time for the wrong job. The last thing we need are presidents of universities that are woke progressive, intolerant of the free speech of some and over-tolerant of the free speech of others. We need a single standard, a single standard of speech, a single standard of due process, 
a single standard without regard to race or religion or gender, we're not there. And President Claudia Gay is not going to bring us there. So my view is by her own standards, by the standards she enforced when she was dean, pastoral view, make students safe, give a good explanation for what you've done. Even at an age where everybody gets A's at Harvard and Yale, she flunks. She flunked. She did not pass the most basic test for being president of a university. I'm sorry to say this because I've met her. I like her as a person. She seems like a, a nice, um, uh, thoughtful, uh, intelligent person. She's just the wrong person for that job at this time in our history. So I hope wisdom will prevail, but I doubt that it will. So I suspect we'll have President Gay to kick around for a long time, and I'll do plenty of that kicking if she continues with the DEI disaster that is destroying education and serving as an incubator for bigotry and especially anti-Semitism. So let's see what the letters say. Some of the letters are about Israel. Uh, Before we get to the letters, I have one point. So Hamas has now declared that we'll kill the hostages, the remaining, I don't know, 200 hostages, unless Israel complies with all of its demands. I want to hear from the supporters of Hamas. I want to hear from the American supporters of Hamas. I want to hear from the National Lawyers Guild. No, don't kill the hostages. If you kill the hostages, we can't support you. But you know what? If they start killing the hostages, the National Lawyers Guild will figure out some way of defending them killing children and babies and hostages. After all, they defended them killing babies and children who were essentially hostages who were in the Kibbutzim on on October uh, 7th. I suspect that public defenders groups will say, oh, we'll, we'll defend the killing of the hostages. That's, that's, that's perfectly fine. In fact, we encourage it. That's, that's, that's legitimate uh, military action, killing hostages. Uh, so, so speak up. If you claim that you are against Hamas, speak out. Say, I am somebody who has supported the Palestinian cause, and I urge you not to kill the hostages. If you kill a single hostage, we will turn against you. Say that. You want to know something? They won't say it. They won't say a word. They won't say it before it happens. And if God forbid it does happen, they won't say it after it happens. Okay. Okay. Now, this one really hit me personally, this letter. You, I got three of them. You were wrong on these were the, those were the days. You were mixing up Mary Hopkins' song. Um, no, no, no. I actually went back and I, 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 I looked at it. I went back and I looked at it and I played it. And, you know, it's Archie Bunker and his wife sitting there. Those were the days, you know, guys like us, we had it made. You know, I don't remember the whole song. Uh, we could use a guy like Hyman Hoover again. Those were the days. That's the way the song ends. So you, you're wrong. Don't correct me unless you check it out. I'm sure there was also another song, Those Were the Days, entitled Those Were the Days. It's not what I was saying. I was saying that was an essential part of the song. Those were the days. So don't question me on All in the Family. I know All in the Family really well. Don't question me on Woody Allen movies. You can question me on a lot of things, but there are a few things that I take really seriously if you criticize me. So apologies accepted. Thank you. Um, 
Uh, all right, I got a few DEI, not DEA. Yeah, I accept that. I'm going to try not to do it again. I actually wrote out DEI to remind me not to say DEA. Um, I didn't hear an answer. Is advocating genocide of Jews protected speech? Yes, it is protected speech in a public forum if the government is trying to suppress it. Probably. I mean, the Supreme Court may come out and say it's not within the Brandenburg principle, but at the moment, at least, if it's advocacy rather than incitement, it's protected speech. But it's not protected speech on private college campuses that don't regard protective speech as microaggressions and other uh, forms of speech. You have to have a single standard. That's been my concern, a single standard. If all schools were to accept the First Amendment, I'd be happy. I wouldn't criticize for everything if they accepted it equally. Okay. Your good friend Trump said fine people at Charlottesville were marching and chanting Jews will not replace us. I was wondering how you thought about that. What I think about it is it's not true. I know. I went back and I listened to the speech. It was a terrible speech. I don't agree with it at all. But he didn't in any way support the people who were chanting, we will replace the Jews. What he was talking about when he said fine people, and you can just hear it. You can hear it. It's so clear. People who wanted not to take the monuments down. I don't favor taking the monuments down. I'm a fine person. Thank you, Donald Trump, for declaring me a fine person because I don't think monuments should be destroyed. Maybe they should have tags on them explaining. Maybe they should be moved to museums. All of that is debatable. But I don't believe in destroying monuments. And that's what he was talking about. He could have been clearer. Yes. But he didn't say or imply that the people saying we will not be replaced by Jews are fine people. They're not fine people. And he doesn't think they're fine people. In fact, Donald Trump has been probably better uh, for Jewish uh, values than uh, other presidents, maybe since, since Harry Truman. Okay. Advocating violence is not protected speech. It happens that it is. Uh, if people were calling for the genocide of African Americans, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Something would have been done immediately to stop it, and they should. I, I agree something would have been done. I think that the courts would find a way of um, making that not protected speech. But at the moment, at least, the law under Brandenburg is merely advocating, writing a book about it, saying it would be a good thing if all the Jews... Mein Kampf, publishing Mein Kampf in America in 1930, whenever Mein Kampf was written, 28, 29, 30, would have been protected speech. And you can get Mein Kampf in, in libraries. It's protected speech. And in it, he advocates, obviously, uh, the at least the deportation, the end of, of Jews in Europe, and probably if you read between the lines, the extermination of Jews. It's, these are hard questions, but there are ways of answering them and there are ways of not answering them. Okay, is committing genocide of Palestinians okay? Let's be very clear. Nobody is committing genocide of Palestinians. Uh, just like People, the United States didn't commit genocide against the Japanese by bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The United States didn't commit genocide against the German people by bombing Berlin or by bombing Dresden. That's not what genocide is. You can argue that it was excessive, that it was disproportional. You can argue a lot of things. It's not genocide. Genocide is an attempt to destroy an entire people. And remember, the Palestinian people in Gaza have increased in numbers 
since Israel occupied Gaza in 1967. The number of Israeli Arabs has increased. The number of Arabs on the West Bank has increased. That's a hell of a way of conducting a genocide. The number of Jews didn't increase under Nazi Germany. Genocide was a term invented by a lawyer uh, in the 1940s to describe a specific crime against humanity that is singling out a particular group. In this case, it was the Jews and it was the Romani people um, and, and wanting to murder them all. And, 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 and the best proof is that the children had to come first. The people who were capable of reproducing um, had to be killed first because it was genocide, the, the, the attempt and desire to remove an entire, they say genetic, it wasn't genetic, it's more complicated than that. But uh, even if you take the worst case scenario of what you think Israel is doing, and I think what they're doing is absolutely appropriate, proportional self-defense. But even if you take the worst case scenario, it's not genocide, it's not close to genocide. It's far, 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 far less than what the United States and Great Britain did during World War II. And remember that um, the Germans and the Japanese weren't on the American border, whereas Hamas is, as we know, not only on the Israeli border, but over it. <clears throat> Seems to me, oh, I love this one, that what's going on should be like shouting fire in a movie theater, and that's not protected speech. That's the worst analogy, shouting fire. It was the dumbest thing ever said by a smart man, Oliver Wendell Holmes. Shouting fire isn't speech. It's setting off an alarm. There's no difference between setting an alarm, which goes, fire, 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 and yelling fire. There's no difference. It's not speech. So, of course, it's not protected speech, because it's not speech at all. If Holmes had been honest, he would have said, well, what about somebody who hands out a leaflet in front of a theater saying there is a danger that there might be fire? Um, you know, But that would be protected speech. Of course, shouting fire is not protected, because it's not speech. It's a clang sound. I wrote an essay about it. It was uh, judged the best essay of 19-whatever year I wrote it, and it was been published over and over again about how shouting fire is the dumbest thing a smart man ever said. Okay. Uh, see you tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.